Welcome to the Clyde Podcast. I'm so glad you hopped on. If you're new here, I'm Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And we are a women's ministry, a nonprofit, and we do a ton of things to create spaces and conversations and gatherings where women can collide with Jesus. And we do that in conferences and online courses and in-house courses and printed Bible study curriculum and devotions and a blog and this podcast. So many, so many things. Make sure you check out our website at wecollide.net. And also just a um, a plug here because I don't say it a lot, but we rely solely on donations from individual donors who believe in what God is doing through our ministry. And they say, hey, I can be a part of that. I want to partner with what you're doing. And so we would love for you to consider if you love this podcast, you listen to it all the time, and you want to help keep it going. um, We would love for you to give and you can do that on our website. But to the interview I'm about to hand you today, I got to sit down with Kurt Langstrat, who's been a pastor for decades, and I had a phenomenal conversation with him. I almost wish you could fast forward to the end to hear the humility uh, within which he shared something very personal about his life. And uh, we talked about so many things from uh, his his failure and living out of grace from comparison and how we all tend to compare ourselves to other people and what to do when God uh, takes a change of plans, one that we didn't ask for, nor did we want, and actually uh, picks us up and takes us off one path and plops us into another one. There's so many great things that Kurt and I talked about. I hope you enjoy every second of it. Kurt, I'm so excited to be sitting with you today. I feel like you're a legend kind of in the sense that I've heard about you for years and the work that God's doing through you, but I've never actually had a conversation with you. So this is super fun. It is fun. Thank you, Willow. I've heard a lot about you too. (laughs) (laughs) So you are a pastor and being a pastor in the last few years has been very difficult. I have a lot of pastor friends. I have talked to several pastors even in the last month who are leaving their jobs. I'm just kind of curious coming out of the gate if we can talk about what are you doing for fun? What have you been doing for fun <laughs> to like stay afloat? <laughs> uh, some of the things I really love is I love to travel, which has been a challenging thing this last few years, obviously, mm-hmm. but I still love it. We're going to go to Holland this month and going to have a good time there. Uh, I love good food. I love to cook. And so when I get home at the end of the day, I make dinner because, you know, people don't always do what you want them to do, but food always does. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I love to cook and gardening and exercise. I still run, even though I'm mm. older. Yeah, those are the things I, and people, I love people. So friendships. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Your wife's lucky if you love to cook. Yeah, I know. She says that all the time, but I'm lucky too, because she's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Did you want to be a pastor growing up? You know, I didn't intend to be a pastor. I grew up playing sports. And so I think my heart was to become a coach and probably a teacher in high school. And then when I got to college, some things just sort of happened that changed that trajectory of my life. And here I am. I, I love it, but I didn't intend to be a pastor now. 
So you grew up being an athlete, and from the story that I've read about you, you faced an injury that sort of just changed the entire direction of your life. Can you rewind all the way back to what happened? Sure. Yeah. I love sports. I'm athletic. And so I grew up playing ball. Basketball was my favorite sport. And so at the end of my high school career, I went to play at Western Washington University in Bellingham. And uh, my, my freshman year, I was a red shirt and then played up on to varsity. So I was looking forward to a, a good career at Western. And that summer working at Dairy Gold, which is a milk packaging plant, <laughs> I, uh, I was throwing around 50 pound bags of milk and I turned and twisted and injured my back quite severely. Oh my gosh. And so that cost me, I, I couldn't play ball. I mean, I had a prolapsed disc, cost me the next season, which would have been my sophomore year. And then I came back to play and there was a new coach uh, that had been hired. And so they do their own recruiting, right? And so I ended up going to play basketball at Skagit, what would have been my junior year, and ended up in an awesome program with Dave Qual, uh, who was a state senator as well, and ended up in this small group of college students in a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And after that season, I just decided um, I wanted to be involved with this group of kids. And that group of kids turned into a church in Burlington, Washington where I attended and invested in and eventually became a youth pastor uh, at that church. And that's kind of how I ended up in ministry. I got came in through the back door, uh, finished up with a degree in psychology, and uh, here I am pastoring today. Hmm. <laughs> that's when how it you started. Think back, yeah, when you think back to that time, I mean, sports was such a big deal for you. You yeah. had ideas and dreams about leaning into sports, being a coach, yeah. and sort of this unexpected shift of being called into ministry happen. Was that like an overnight thing? Like, was there a moment where it became clear for you? Did God speak to you or do something? Or was just it kind of like a slow, sort of a slow process of you realizing that God had just another dream for your life than the one you had for yourself? Yeah, it was very slow. And from the injury point on, there was, uh, I mean, I dealt with disappointment, um, in the loss, I was angry at God for allowing me to be injured. You know, you go down that road, right? I was angry, resentful. And so it was probably a couple of years that I really dealt with those feelings. And I was a Christian. I knew the Lord. And, and so I had to really come to the place where I just trusted there was something different for me, you know, than, than what I had intended to do. And so ended my career, you know, not as long as I would have liked it. Um, and then God just sort of opened new doors, I think is the best way to put it. But no, there was definitely struggle for a couple of years that I had to really, I really, I really had to come to believe that he was good, even though um, mm-hmm. life was kind of bad, right? I'd mm-hmm. gone through some loss, loss in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so many people can resonate with that because it's almost like the death of a dream when you have a picture or an idea for yourself and it feels like it gets stripped from you. Yes. And you're living in like, I call it like chapter seven, like you're in chapter seven and it just feels like the story is over. Right. And if only we could see the chapters down the road after chapter seven, I feel like maybe it's one of the greatest gifts I get 
to interview people on this podcast, but you hear all the time how God can take something incredibly difficult, challenging right. and hard, the death of a dream, yes. um, a sickness, something that you never would choose for yourself or write into a chapter. And yet on the other side of that is something even bigger than you even imagined for yourself. Exactly. When you, You've experienced that. So when you're ministering to people, and they're in that chapter seven, they're in that space of, I just got this stripped from me. I just got this taken from me. What's right. your advice to them to move yeah. them from chapter seven to like trust and hope for chapter nine, 10, 11? Oh man. Yeah. You know, there's really nothing like living through it and you really have to live through it to um, do it and experience it. And I think the one thing I can share with them is that there's hope on the other side. And, you know, Willow, this, this sports loss thing is really small compared to what some people suffer in life. Loss of a child, loss of a relationship, you know, loss of a loved one, loss of a career. Those kinds of things are mm -hmm. much bigger deals. And I've experienced some of that as well. Um, and so I think when I listen to people's stories and I hear the cry of their heart and the grief they're experiencing, I, I really listen and I, I try to see them. Um, try to understand what that feels like. And then I just encourage them that there is hope on the other side. It doesn't feel like it right now. And you can't see the end of the story. We haven't written it yet. <laughs> but just know that, that there are good things potentially waiting for you um, that God is doing, that God is up to in your life. You know, and, and I don't say that in a trite way at all. I mean, there's pain, there's suffering that you have to go through. But truly, on the other side, there can be some things that that God can lead you into that you had no idea, you know. So even if even even if it's just using your story. Yeah, absolutely. So when you went through the injury and then you switched schools and you went from Western Washington University to Skagit, you sort of unexpectedly find yourself in this small group of guys. <laughs> Right. What was happening in this small group that you saw God doing that that he ended up using them to plant this church that changed so many people's lives? Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those interesting, I think, you know, unusual things that God was doing at the time in that area. There weren't a lot of uh, other community churches around at the time. So this little church that began was kind of the first, I think, in the valley, in Skagit Valley. Um, and so it was, you know, 20 or 30 college-age students. And I think what I found there was community. You know, I found friendship. I, I found some other students that love the Lord and were looking for His direction in their life as well. And I felt welcomed in. I felt accepted. And uh, I, I didn't realize it was going to become a church. We didn't know that. At the time, we were just communing together, you know, doing mm -hmm. life together, having fun together, studying the Bible together. And and that's really where worship became a bigger deal to me. I, I joined that community was a community of worship. There were several musicians and that was new at that time. It wasn't, you know, when I say worship, I mean, contemporary worship, um, guitars and drums and <laughs> keyboards. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a new thing. And so that that drew my heart and touched my heart as well. But I would say community with other like-minded young people was mm -hmm. a big deal. 
You say that God sort of started opening new doors to you so you could possibly redream for yourself. What what happened or what were the things that you participated in or you stepped out in acts of faith and and saw that made you think there might be a pastor in you, Kurt? (laughs) That's an easy one. Um, So when the church sort of started formally, it was probably a year after I met the the students. Um, part of it was being a part of a worship team. I'm a musician as well, and so I got invited to play music with people mm-hmm. leading worship the church. Back in the old days, where there were like three worship choruses, <laughs> you know, and we sang them over and over again. There was <laughs> there was that. But then what happened and what drew me into ministry was uh, we started doing youth group stuff. So we kind of collected the middle schoolers and the high schoolers and started doing doing youth group activities. And I was a volunteer for that. And so that's really where my heart got captured for ministry was working with kids. And that volunteer position um, grew into the first position that they hired for the church, which was youth. And that was me. So I was literally the first person they hired at his place church in Burlington. Hmm. I can resonate with that so much because when I had sort of this radical conversion and gave my life to Jesus at 21, I wasn't raised in the church and Mm -hmm. had no concept of the gospel or had never read the Bible. So I, uh, I was checking groceries the week I gave my life to Christ and it was in a random church. And these two guys came through my line that next week. And I was a checker at Hagen and they had all these like peas and carrots, like baby food or something. I'm kind of sassy. So I was like, what's up with, you know, what's up with all the baby food boys? (laughs) And they were like, Oh, we're youth leaders down in this church. And it was the church that I had randomly walked into and handed my life to Christ. And they were like, you should come be a youth leader. And I was like, in my mind thinking, there is no way I should be a youth. I've never been to a youth group. I still, you know, drink peach knops and dance to Bob Marley. Like I (laughs) did not, I'm no example, Um, but they kind of conned me into it. So I showed up the next week as a youth leader, which is hilarious. And it was through that experience of, sitting with kids in their pain that God really started to heal mine. And I, I got so passionate about wanting these kids who were going through so much hurt to know about God's love for them. So it was almost like God was ministering to me while he was ministering through me. Is that kind of what was happening for you too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, for me anyway, Willow, and I think it's true for, for people. I think that when we give our hearts away and give our lives away, to a great cause, or mm-hmm. particularly to people, I think, um, there is healing that happens in our own lives. And it's this principle of, you know, when you give yourself away, you also really grow and gain and, and experience healing yourself through the very thing that you're sharing, you know, and, and God kind of leads you to the right people, I think, to do that with, you know. And these mm-hmm. kids were just, yeah, they were ready for um, just somebody to care for them and help them and enjoy them. And we had some great times back in the day. Some of my best memories. Are mm. in youth I did a lot of crazy stuff with <laughs> with kids in youth ministry. It was fun. Do you have a memory of a specific experience with a kid that was like a turning point for you that really felt like, oh, wow, God is actually using me to help other people. I want to do more of this. Mm. 
You know, I, I can't say one kid in particular, but there were a couple of years that I had a group of kids in Burlington that were, I mean, the potential for community was just so great. And kids that I took down to Mexico for a few years and did some mission stuff. And and I would say that that was really um, inspiring to me and good for me to be a part of that, you know. And again, it was more like family, um, more like community than it was like what you think of church. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. me, my wife and I, we'd open our home on Sunday nights and we'd have 50 kids in our living room mm-hmm. sitting around, sitting around and doing devotions and singing. So I can't say it was one kid, but I think just really seeing the need for community and connection met in these, in these kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was for me. I mean, I love community. I could live on a commune. I really could. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of built hey, that I have lived in one. <laughs> let's talk about it. No, let's not talk about that. Uh, you you are unexpectedly sort of God blocks you out of one path, you know, yes. sports and coaching puts mm-hmm. you on another path. Yeah. You're helping these kids. Do you think you had any internal obstacles or insecurities that you had to fight to allow yourself to say yes to God's call to be a pastor and a leader? Um, You know, it happened so gradually, honestly, Willow. I mean, I was, you know, again, I was a volunteer before I was ever hired. And I guess maybe, maybe the sense that I didn't go to, to Bible school, I didn't go to seminary. I think maybe that bothered me some of the time. I mean, I knew the word of God. I knew God's word because I was raised in a good Bible believing home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but probably that would have been the one insecurity that I thought, Hmm, wonder, wonder if I'm the right guy for this, you know, mm-hmm. but then again, yeah. yeah, the community was so great. And, and the connection with the kids was so great that I think that that, you know, rose above the insecurity that I might've felt. Your mental, spiritual, and emotional health is worth time, energy, and investment. As women, we can sometimes struggle to find the space and time necessary to focus on rejuvenating our minds and our spirits. But the truth is, our health is worth it. The Collide Counseling Bundle is an online course featuring 12 videos of mental health professionals giving their best advice, journals, resources, and so much more to help walk you through the topics that are most relevant to your life, anxiety, broken relationships, body image, and more. We are so thrilled to be making the resources for a sustainable healing journey available for the same investment as what one therapy session typically costs, $99. It's time to invest in your healing and wholeness. Learn more at wecollide.net slash counseling bundle. I ask because I think a lot of people feel like God has given them an assignment or called them to do something meaningful that can impact lives. And a lot of times we have these, but I'm not this, but I'm not this, but I'm not enough, but I'm not like this guy. I'm not like this girl. I hear this all the time. And so we have this idea of who we need to be in order to say yes to the call God has on our lives. And because we're not this picture of who we need to be, we often hesitate or draw back or we don't fully lean in and say yes to God. And I was kind of wondering if you had any of those that sort of kept you from, from your yes. 
Yes, I will say definitely. But it was if you fast forward to, you know, beyond Burlington, beyond Bothell, beyond Taiwan and back to Linden. Um, when I came here to North County, which was 2003, mm-hmm. um, then I, I came as an associate pastor, which was a great fit for me. I love people. I love counseling. So I, I just got to help people for years. Mm-hmm. And then when I was invited to take on the senior leadership role, I battled it for like three years. I'm not kidding. I said no several times mm-hmm. to being to being the senior leader you know, the, the guy in charge of the church, mm-hmm. because I really didn't feel like I had what that might take. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I know, I know how hard it is. I've watched other, my leaders do it. And it's like, nah, I don't want to do that. I like being number two. I don't want to be the number one guy. It was too mm-hmm. much pressure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I'm laughing because I've been the number two girl many times and there's a it. lot more sleep that happens at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And exactly. being the number one. <laughs> so I'm not kidding when I say there was three years of um, our pastor at the time really pressuring me and pushing me to say yes. And I said, no, I said, no, my wife said no <laughs> several times. Hmm. And then honestly, it, it came to the last time he asked. And here's what happened. He said, Kurt, if you don't take this position, I'm going to go outside the church and find somebody who we can hire to bring in. And he said, honestly, we don't know what that will do to the church. We don't know what that person will be like. You, you never know. Mm-hmm. He said, you're, you're a known quantity and you may not feel like you're equipped or, or, you know, or this is your number one thing. But he said, I really believe you're the guy. And so once again, my wife and I talked about it, prayed about it. And then I had somebody, honestly, that pro- prophesied over me. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of nowhere. And she um, said some things that confirmed in my heart and she had no idea what was going on. And she confirmed in my heart that this was the right thing to do. And so that was the final straw. It wasn't, it wasn't the guiding thing, but it was the final thing where mm-hmm. I said, okay. And my wife said, yes. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And that, that was about um, eight years ago. So in that three-year sort of wrestling process that you had yeah. with God, what were the things in your mind that you were like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this? Like, I, I were they like, I'm not, I'm not enough, I'm not this, I'm not that? Was it you yeah. comparing yourself to other people? Was it you thinking you needed to be like the guy that you were, <laughs> you were taking yes. over his place? I mean, what, what were the things? Yeah. So the founder, the one that started our church, North County Christ mm-hmm. Community, named Kim Ryan, was a powerful, passionate preacher, very passionate, kind of my direct opposite. You know, I'm, I'm much slower. I'm, I'm, you know, I kind of roll with things and I'm, I have a lot of depth, but I'm not super passionate when I preach. You know what I mean? Unless, mm-hmm. unless I get there, I can. But I think I really compared myself to him. And I don't think mm-hmm. that I thought that people would... Um, accept me because I was so different from him and, mm. and didn't communicate the way he did. You know, listening to me preach is more like being in a counseling session. You know, I, I can, I can share a lot of great things, but I may not inspire you with passion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so I was, I think comparing myself with him for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what, what held me off longest. And just, just the knowledge that, it's hard being the number one guy. You know, it's hard. I know the pressure. And now I've had the pressure uh, for eight years and it is hard. But yeah, no I will say, it is. But I will say it's worth it. And now that I've done it, 
I'm glad I did it and I've, I've loved it. So, yeah, hmm. but comparison was definitely, definitely the thing. Yeah, it's really, I, I, this might sound weird, but I have to say it's really refreshing to hear you as a man sort of admit to comparison. I think, yeah. I think a lot of times we think only women do that mm. and we do it a lot. Yeah. And it's really interesting to hear you share. I think it gives, me compassion when I think about my husband and some of our friends that that also is a thing that comes up for them too, yeah. you know, yeah. but comparison for males and females, it's real. And I just kind of wonder how many of us run from the thing we're made to do because yeah. we think we need to be like someone else. And I always say, God didn't call you to be like Jenny. If you're Sally, like he called you yeah. to be Sally, you know, That's and here cool. you are thinking you're supposed to be like this other guy. And God's like, no, I called you to be Kurt. And so yeah. how did you, um, come out of the gate? You knew God affirmed your call. He, he changed your wife's mind. He changed your mind. <laughs> he affirmed it with a woman speaking a word into your life. Yeah. How did you come out of the gate and go, and how do you continue to go? Okay. God called me to be Kurt. God wants me here. That's very clear. I don't have to prove myself. I don't right. have to try to be like anyone else. How do you fight that battle on a regular basis? Yeah, you know, I think that was really a process as well. I think I had to just really um, jump in, walk through the door and begin to, um, you know, to minister out of my identity, you know, out of who I am. And it didn't have to be the same as the other guy, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think as time went on and um, I was affirmed in that as I, as I jumped out and did it, uh, I think you just gain confidence as you as you go, I think. And people came and went. I mean, we did lose some people in the early years where uh, they were, you know, they were more in tune with the other guy. But God also brought other people back or brought other people newly, you know. And so you have to be able to trust, I think, that it's God's church or God's thing, whatever it is you're doing, mm -hmm. and trust that he and trust that he's sovereign. And he has the outcome in his hand. And I always said to the Lord, and I, I'm not, I'm not lying when I say this. I said to the Lord, God, it's your church. If you don't want me to do this, please take me out. I'd be happy to not do this. <laughs> and so one of the one of the things I one of the things I had going for me was I honestly didn't care if I had the position. Mm -hmm. I didn't care. So the position means nothing to me. Mm -hmm. you know, they can find a better guy. That's fine. There's a mm -hmm. lot of things I can do. In fact, there's things I want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm kind of the reluctant senior pastor of mm -hmm. North County. And uh, I've done it because God called me to do it, opened the doors to do it. And I think I've done it well. But there was definitely a process of becoming comfortable in who I am and, mm -hmm. and the things that God's given me, which were different than the other guy, you know, mm -hmm. not better, not worse, just different. Yeah, I, you are so right when you say we have to learn to, you know, do what God calls us to do out of who he's made us to be. We're unique, right? Each of us mm -hmm. with our personality and giftings. And I always say to people, you know, there's only one you. And if you don't give what you have to give, we're never going to get to experience you. Mm -hmm. And we, and, you know, I told you I love to cook and do food. I love the flavors. And it's the same with people. I want to enjoy the flavors of all the different people that God has in our life and in our church. 
Mm-hmm. And if people don't give themselves, then we can't, you know, we can't taste and see that they are good, you know? Mm-hmm. So, totally. I yeah. feel like we hold ourselves back so much when we think we have to be like someone else. And the, that mind game is always present, you know, it where is. we're especially even, you know, with social media and constantly seeing what other people are doing in other fields and careers and as moms yeah. and all this stuff. And you think, well, I'm not like this mom. I'm not like this preacher. I'm not, you know. And yeah. so you're constantly feeling like you're not enough. And you describing yourself as a reluctant pastor, man, I think that there might not be a better type of pastor because <laughs> it reminds, no, I'm serious though, because you're open handed with it. Mm. You're not trying to hold on to it and control it and own right. it and make it yours. You're saying, God, if you want me here, yep. you know, it's humble. It's, it's hoping he shows up. It's saying, may your power be made perfect in my weakness, which he says yes. it will be. Yep. And reluctancy is, uh, is a place that God can show up and do amazing things. Yeah. So I love that you're the reluctant pastor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm a, I'm reluctant myself. I just got no. off of a two-month sabbatical and spent the whole time praying about, you know, Lord, <laughs> if, you, if you want, want to, you know, take this yeah. from me. I mean, it's hard work, right, to show up. Every yeah. single day and pour out, and so it is. Reluctancy is probably a good place for us to be. Yeah, I think it. And you said this already, but I do think it really makes room for God to do what He wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's yeah. not it's not entirely up to me. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. He does use us. He uses us, but it also makes room for His power and grace and whatever He wants to do. So you are what some people would call a professional Christian. I know you probably don't like that title. I know I don't like that title, but you know, some might say you're paid to to talk about Jesus. You mm. you obviously do talk about him a lot. I'm curious cuz we talk a lot about colliding with Jesus here. Have yeah. you experienced some personal sweet collisions with Jesus where you needed him the most and he helped to continue to remind you in those moments that he's alive and well. And if you'd want to share one or two of those. Sure. Um, I think now if I can take you back to um, right about the time I was going to Skagit Valley College, I remember just really, really crying out. You know, sorry. Uh, Just crying out to the Lord and, and really wanting more of him. And not really sure how to do that, you know, and and not sure. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home, and you know, Linden is kind of considered a Christiany town, mm-hmm. um, but still, I felt like there was something that I was missing, or something like that, you know. And I'll never forget the night I was uh, riding my motorcycle home from or back to Bellingham from Skagit Valley, and I was just praying and riding my bike and. Um, I felt the power of God meet me on that motorcycle and my prayers turned into praise. I had to pull the bike over. I, I could not drive anymore because mm-hmm. of I was weeping. I was, I was receiving from the Lord. And that was a pivotal moment in my life where I think for the very first time I had always known about the presence of God, but I had never felt the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And boy, I'll tell you what, He's real and he does meet us sometimes. And that's happened very infrequently in my life, you know, a mm. handful of times. 
Um, but, but it was the first time and it was so impactful. And I think that, that meeting with Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit really, I think was the final convincing thing that I needed, you know, to, to do what he was calling me to do and, and to say, Lord, whatever you want for me, you know, Mm. yeah, that he definitely met, yeah, he met a desire in my heart that night for sure. I love that it became personal for you. It wasn't just about knowing about God or talking about God, but actually experiencing God and having a personal moment with him that was so life-changing for you. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Mm. Kurt, you've been been in ministry for a very long time, decades, and you've helped so many people. You've poured your life out. You've said yes to the call. You've moved to a jillion different locations. You've taken on a lot of assignments. You've prayed for people, married people, baptized people, buried people, and you've preached a lot of sermons in your day. What is the one sermon you've preached that when all is said and done and people look back on your life, they'll look back and say, you, you lived that. (laughs) Wow, Willow, that's a tough one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So are you talking about a literal sermon that I preached? Or just the way... I experienced the whole life. idea of practice what you preach. You okay. you preach about God. You coach yeah. people. You counsel people. At the end of your life, yeah. you know, a life that's lived to point people to Jesus. What do you hope people say? Man, he preached this, but he actually really lived this. Okay, good. So, yeah, this was not a sermon, but I have mentioned this so many times to people over the years. And that was back in, uh, you know, I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. Um, I went through, uh, our marriage went through an emotional affair that I had with another person. And through that time, you know, that's where I I was probably broken um, more than I've ever been. I felt like I needed grace more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, that was, I was in ministry. And so that was hard. And my wife and I engaged in like three years of counseling to work through the, the you know, downfall of that. And I think through that experienced grace from Jesus like I had never before. I think ministry up to that time was probably more in my own strength, if you will, like relying on my giftings and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever I had to bring to the table. But after that happened in our life and after that, happened that I caused. Um, I experienced his grace. I experienced restoration. And it, took a, it took a number of years to gain confidence again, to think that I could still do what I'd been called to do when I had failed in my ministry. And so giving God years to rebuild me, and I actually left church work for a while during that time, hmm. and um, just let God restore our life, our marriage, uh, and my own life I think that's the brokenness that I lead out of. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a brokenness that comes when you experience failure. And then when you experience the grace of God in response to that failure and you experience restoration and you're truly humbled and you truly realize, okay, now I only do this from grace. 
I only do this from his, his enablement, you know, and, and it's different. I can't really explain it, but I think it's once you're broken like that and restored, you see people differently. You don't judge people as much. Mm. You, know, you realize you have a speck in your own eye or a, a plank, sorry, in your own eye, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think you, and I think I now approach people much more from compassion, understanding. When other people fail at life, I, I can say, I get it. I understand mm-hmm. that. When I see brokenness in life, I can say, yeah, I get that too. You know, I understand that. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that has really impacted me, you know, God's restoration of my life. And that's the sermon I want people to remember that Kurt needed grace. God gave him grace. And that's how he approaches us is with grace, you know. I don't do that perfectly, but that's what I feel in my heart toward people. Mm. That's so beautiful, Kurt, and and the fact that you're doing this work from grace and then inviting yeah. other people into that grace is so cool. I also love that you just shared that in the church phone was ringing in the background. <laughs> it's very symbolic, very symbolic of grace in the work, my friend. I appreciate you and your heart and coming on today and sharing a part of your story. And I know there's people here who are going to want to connect with you and sure. the ministry that you're a part of. How can they do that? Well, they can call the church office at 318-9446, area code 360. Um, they can reach me if they go to our website, nccTK.com. They can find me there. They can email me at kurt.langstrat at nccTK.com. You're going to have to spell that for them, Willow. We will. We'll put this in okay. the show notes. Okay, um, or message me. I'm on Facebook, Kurt Langstrat. I think I'm the only one. So any way they want, I'm always happy to talk with people and to help them process if they need to do that. I love it. Thank you so much, Kurt, for hanging out with me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Willow, for the opportunity. Wow, friend. That was a great interview with Kurt. I respect so much that he opened up with us about what he calls his own personal failure and how it humbled him and landed him in a place of brokenness where he could only rely on grace. And I love that he basically said if he could um, be described as anything, it would be that he did it all out of grace. And I don't know about you and where you're at, and what God's called you to do right now, what task, what assignment, uh, what job, what career. But my hope is that you're doing it from a place of grace, that you know that even if you've made mistakes, even if you failed other people, even if you've disappointed yourself, even if it's gotten a little bit messy and off track, that you would know that God's grace is for you. Sometimes I think we think God's grace is for everyone except us, and we're hardest on ourselves. Today, I hope you'll receive, I hope you'll open your hands and receive the grace that's available to you. And then the outflow of that is that you can do whatever you've been called to do from a place of grace. How beautiful. 
If you feel like there's someone who could use this podcast and you want to share it with a friend, I just encourage you. That seems like a really simple thing to do, but all you have to do is press that little button and share it with a friend. And maybe there's someone else who needed to hear this message today. Keep colliding, friend, and we'll catch you next week.